with that. Three hours later. <laughs> Most download episode ever. You know what, Spencer? What? I'm getting published again. Got yeah. another thing accepted, but that's all I can really go into at the moment. But this one should actually be out within the next week or so. Uh, the issue, which I will... I, see, I don't want to jinx anything and you know but hey i'm getting published and check it out and then something happens and you know it doesn't happen so i'll wait to make the proper announcement probably next week when that comes out also spencer i am a chess guy now i think we discussed this briefly you you were saying something about that at new year's how you were becoming hoity-toity chess guy well now i'm a full-blown chess guy and um i'm gonna probably start watching the queen's gambit at some point Seems like the logical move. Once you become a chess guy, you got to watch weird bug-eyed praying mantis looking on a Taylor Joy uh, playing chess. Mm. So I'm assuming that's what that show's about. And that's about it for me. What about you? you got big news? No, no not Published really. Published in the New Yorker finally? Well, I mean, that's... that's the Atlantic, yeah, the Paris Review. All that. Yeah. Yeah, the, the um another famous one. Dirty Badonkadonk Weekly? Yes. Well, that's been that's been steady for a while. That's been ongoing, but yeah. that was under your pseudonym, right? Yeah. Uh, one of the many uh, podcast names. One of the many. Uh, so that's, yeah. It's the new year now. New year, new me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm yeah. <laughs> fucking sadness and tears just flow down my face endlessly, and then 2023 will end, and I, then I will also cry for 2024. Did you see the meme where it's like, 2020, 2021, or maybe it's 21, 2021, 2022, and 2023, and it's like if you take out the zeros, six, six, it's six. A, yeah, six. the mark of the beast, <laughs> for the next year, like, oh, yay, that's probably scary accurate. To be fair, things, I, I think, just, they, they don't get better. They get worse, it seems. Well, I think it's going to the point to where you can't even, like, Whenever something is even better, like you don't even care, or, 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 or register. It doesn't register to you because you're just not used to it. You know, this gives me an idea for the episode that I totally planned. You know, yes, that sounds exactly <laughs> yeah. like us. Uh, so I'll probably discuss it on the episode. But just as a problem with why things suck so bad, media in general sucks bad. Mm. No, I'm not just talking about news networks. That's been sucking. But shows, movies, comics, books. Modern society has stagnated, in my opinion, creatively. We'll discuss that in the proper episode, but uh, would you agree or disagree with that? I Compared would, to the uniqueness yeah. of work that came previous generations. I would slightly agree. Like, you know how you see the, the, those those videos with the people with, slightly their, cup, agree, with, yeah. with their cups of water and the, mm-hmm. all the different options? Probably slightly. I don't I don't strongly agree with you, but I, 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 I can... I can agree with it to a certain point. We'll discuss it deeper in a few minutes. Um, also on the writing front, my writing, not bad. I just keep getting distracted with other projects that I shouldn't be doing and submissions and stuff. So I've actually done a little bit these first couple um, days of the new year. I got almost a uh, a thousand words in so far out through, through a couple of days. So nice. you know, just a couple hundred here, you know, a couple hundred there. Not as much as I should be getting, but at least it's better than what it was before the end of the year. That's probably what I've been doing, just a daily basis of a few hundred words here and there, and that's not enough for me, but it's better than nothing. Yeah. It still equals like a couple pages a week, (laughs) which sounds sad when you think of it when you're doing a fucking thousand page novel. 
We'll talk about stuff in a little bit. I need a freaking a fine beer, but I need I need something, Spencer. Something? Meth. Meth? Speed. Crank. Something. Oh, pick me up. Pick me up? Is there a thing that's a pick me up that Adderall was? Yeah, well, I is that a pick me up? Yeah. That's a focuser. Yeah, that's a, yeah. Well, we'd have like 10 episodes done in no time. What is the drug I'm thinking of that'll that make cocaine? me- cocaine? No. Because cocaine kind of picks you up there for a cocaine. while. Cocaine. I think bite vitamin B12 is what I'm thinking Yo, of, Spencer. Just a nice shot of uh, healthy energy, maybe from a plant source. What do you think? Cocaine. That so, comes from a plant. Yeah, it does. So does opium. Mm-hmm. Heroin. Yes. Uh, most good things. Dang. The weed. Man. Yeah, throw that man in there. All right, we're done dilly-dally. We'll be back in a minute. You are listening to the Drunken Penratane Podcast. I don't know why there would be so many uh, rolling R's in the word pen. <laughs> right. doesn't seem, it doesn't seem uh, that's very fitting at all, actually. It doesn't make any sense. You made it work. I don't think it's going to, on playback, it's probably going to sound terrible, but I don't care. Uh, I am your host, Caleb James. With me today, Spencer, the Portuguese Pimple Popper Church. Mm. We're hitting all the P's today. Yeah. See, that's again, that's not right. <laughs> I can't do a. It's like a fart sound. How do you make a rolling pee? That's like a helicopter. You push the drunk guy down a hill. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up, Spencer. So what are we talk about again? Uh, something about creative arts and how they suck ass and they're not so creative. I'm pretty sure we touched on this with books before, but I guess I should elaborate, huh? Yeah. So your opinion, slightly agree. My opinion, I strong agree because it's my opinion. I created it. Nobody else has this opinion. Just me. Just you. So. We'll st- we'll, how about surface level? All right. So the topic of the day here is why... I'm trying to remember what we talked about before. It was like how I think literature is kind of mediocre and maybe like movie. Like people don't take creative risk. We discussed that in that episode, why modern fiction like sucks or yeah. is not as good or something like that. I forget the title was. That was probably a month or so ago we talked about that. So I want to start at the surface level and we'll ooze our way down into the sludge at the bottom of the barrel. How's that sound? All right. So just because it's a trending topic, might not be by the time this drops, but because it's a trending topic at the moment, we have uh, one of the big problems with society, which is what affects the rest of the art created. In at least American society, and I'm sure this goes a lot of Western countries, we celebrate mediocrity and we do it in such a stupid way. We follow social media influencers. Mm -hmm. That's where we like hang the top of our hat as a means of this is what we aspire to now. So what do we aspire to? Your fucking douchebag Andrew Tates, your Jake and Logan Pauls, uh, your Tana Mongoose, and your... Who is a non-douchey? <laughs> I'm trying to think of like a is non-douchey, it? but still like they're not creating great art. Would you like Mr. Beast? Like I was going to say Mr. Beast, but I don't know. I never watched any of his videos. I don't know what he actually does. I mean, I know he gives a lot to charity and he does all kinds of stuff. And I'm sure whatever content he puts out is good quality. Mm. But the thing is, I don't think he's an artist by any means. Yeah. But that's the, that's my point here is we don't follow artists or even to a subcategory, scientists, philosophers, anybody that's doing something really worthwhile. We follow people who are putting out these fluffy 
uh, distractions. I think that's a good term for it. Distractions. Things that distract us but don't enrich us. Uh, so would you agree with that statement? Yeah, yeah. So that's a strong agree. And I th- that's the thing that's funny is I see everybody bitching about these people we make. You know, the Catch Me Outside girl. She's uh, a millionaire rapper turning herself into a black woman now. Yeah. Uh, we made that famous because she had a stupid catchphrase on Dr. Phil. Uh, but the thing is, everyone complains about this. Why do we keep making stupid people famous? It's because there's a lot of stupid people, people. who don't read, uh, don't watch good movies, don't listen to good music. And obviously, this is subjective, what is good. But there's a clear level, like a, there's a clear line that you could define where something is shit mm. and something is on the other side of shit. So when you hear a lot of these songs on the radio, I think we can all agree a lot of them are shit. Mm. Like, there's no substance to them. They're literally made just to make money, and the artist who made them has no care about art. They don't care about putting out art. Creative process has no bearing on their life. And you know who I really blame for this? Nah, it's not fair to blame one person. I just think back on the Britney Spears and the boy band era, but especially Britney Spears, because you got a girl who really can't sing, can't dance. She didn't really do anything other than be underage and attract creepy pedophile types. And you know what that brought in? A whole slew of people was like, yeah, we could create this monotone music that all kind of sounds the same, and we could have auto-tune and have the technology that keeps advancing pretty much make the music now. So this person is just a front. They don't have to be a songwriter. They don't have to be able to have any, hold any kind of melody or rhythm or anything. They can be very mediocre. You look at the modern rap scene. You just have guys that are just making noise now. Yeah. And then they're making millions and millions of dollars. Now, here's the problem. It's not so much that these people are doing this. Everyone has the right to do whatever they want. But it used to be if you created garbage content, you, uh, you're a painter, but your paintings are terrible. You could do it for enjoyment all you want, but nobody's buying them. But now we live in the modern art age where you could have 50 shades of red and it's just a red picture. And people are like, no, you see, what that means is the crimson blood of the devil. Like, they just look into shit that's not there. No, this is about the uterine lining being leaked out of the woman and it bears light. Like, what are you fucking talking about? You're just making up shit, but now that's what we celebrate. People don't, as we talked about in the uh, mediocrity episode, people don't take creative risk anymore. And the ones who do, you never hear about them. And what I think... um goes in along with a lot of most of the points you've made so far is the advancement of technology because before, makes everything easier. It makes everything easier. It makes people easy. Like before, like if you were just some shitty person who had like a cassette, you were literally just trying to sell out the trunk of your car. Whoever would, whoever bought that would be the person to listen to it. Now you can just throw that shit on Spotify, YouTube, whatever, you know what I mean? Especially with TikTok, it could just become a trending sound because it has an either slightly catchy earworm or it just has something yeah. that uh, is funny or something so, Something that people use in the so, video. So it, it, like it's, it's good in ways because it makes exposure and things like that easier, but it also it makes it like the cream of the crop doesn't rise. To the top because there's other stuff in that pot to keep, like, you know, it holds what I mean? it down. Yeah, well, it's oversaturated. Yeah, like we talk about this with the indie writing scene. 
well, at one point it might have been lucrative, but now when everyone's creating everything and can publish it themselves, and I mean, you even, get lost in the sauce. Even whenever it's good stuff, sometimes it's worse when it's good stuff because if you have a whole bunch of people putting out decent stuff, it's like you can really get lost in the mix. At least like whenever if you were somebody good, you know, talented at whatever art medium you choose, and it was full, mostly just jerk-offs. Mm-hmm. It might take a little bit longer, but eventually you would, you know. But now, again, with the rise of technology, it also makes people's jobs and things a lot easier. So the quality can be there or, you know. And don't get me wrong. As far as the arts are concerned, the greats have always toiled in obscurity. You know, they just toiled away in obscurity. You think of a more modern example. Cormac McCarthy didn't get famous until 1991, 92, whenever that was. He uh, wrote, uh, published, what is it, All the Pretty Horses? Mm. And that's because he wrote that. That's his most commercial book, and then that got made into a movie. But up till that point, all his books, even like Blood Meridian, were out of print in the U.S. People didn't know who he was outside of academia. Nobody cared. But then at the same period, that same stretch where he started, and he was winning like literary awards, I believe, and stuff. But again, nobody was actually reading his work, like the general public. You have Stephen King. Same, he had his rise around the same time. But because of what he was writing and the style and the genre, just blew up. Mm-hmm. And that's not a slight against Stephen King, because I still find that his work is not just entertaining, but his work was one of the last like authors, I feel, who was able to put out books that could be entertaining, but not drivel, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, I mean, that's not really a fair statement either, because I'm sure there's plenty of modern authors who are putting out work that's entertaining, that's not drivel, that I just don't read. You could even say, like, The Hike by Drew McGarry. We always talk about that. If you really look at it, that's just a fun book. Yeah. That's not, like, a deep meaning. I mean, it has a little bit of a deeper meaning, but it's nothing that you're diving into, you know? It's not all those crazy allegory and these ridiculous metaphors about life and like it's just it's pretty you know simple for what it is but it's super entertaining but also i will throw that in the creative category uh like a lot of stephen king's earlier work very creative very unique stories that weren't told before or if they were they he tells them in a different way uh but now you get either the same stories or just all cliche stuff um again generally speaking if we dive into the second layer of the muck pool here. So we went with the social media influencers. That's kind of, uh, and you can, I'm going to consider them social media influencers because why else are they celebrities? The Kardashians. They yeah. kind of started the craze, if you're honest. Yeah. You had like the Britney Spears era who kind of made the music and stuff watered down. And but, then, at but at least they went, they went touring. At least they, they put in they some put in work. They yeah. put in some kind of way. They still had to sell physical CDs. Yeah. They had to do stuff. But so you had that era. And then you had um, the reality TV in the Paris Hilton era. That was the in-between. And that's when things really started to get mainstream shitty outside of music. And then once you got the Kardashians in there with the sex tapes, and I just feel like the degradation of society was just ridiculous. You have, I mean, we, we both see it. We go on Instagram, look at the reels, and there's literally just videos of girls with their whole butts out now Yeah, in the gym, a public gym, just like working out, trying to make something either funny or I don't know what the fuck they're doing. Sometimes, I, how many videos have you seen where it's just a camera walking behind a girl's ass? Yeah. I was like, what is, who's weird. this for? I mean, I know who's for, but why? Like, why is this on here? That used to be, you know, relegated to porn, uh, which I wish we could go back to the porn magazine day mm. was great. Because that was just enough porn. 
And if you needed to buy videos, you had to buy videos. But now you have too much. Yeah. I know I'm digressing, but when you have so much porn at your fingertips that you can see anything you want, I can really understand people getting lost in that world. Because you can get virtual reality porn now. Oh, that you could be just in the room while people are grossly fucking. Like, <laughs> ew. Sorry for anybody who's offended by this. Who's offended by it? Now, that's another thing. Because society's morals have just gone straight to the gutter. People don't even really get offended by porn anymore. Yeah, it's weird on what people do and do not get offended by or fake offended by. Sex stuff, people... Now, yeah, like the... And it's usually like the fake kind of Christian, like the evangelicals over the top Christians who get offended, quote unquote, when they're the ones that are always buying hookers and shit. Mm. But um, it seems like the sex stuff people don't actually get offended by anymore, which was always weird. Also, like in the U.S., because we were very we were formed as a prudish country, we were formed by Puritans. So even up to like modern 90s and stuff, like action movies always had to have tits, right? Horror movies always had to have kids having sex and they get killed. Like, you know, teenagers or whatever they're supposed to be. And then... Uh, Adult teenagers. Yeah, and then every movie you watched always had to have a weird, gratuitous sex scene. So it was like, it was because we were craving sex as a society because we've been repressed. But at the same time, those would always be rated R and stuff. But you could have the most violent movies and people's heads getting blown off and stuff. And as long as you didn't say the word fuck too many times, it was rated PG-13. And I was just always like, that's funny. It's like, okay, so in this country, sex is... It's supposed to just be straight for adults. This used to be how it was. And then violence could just be galore. We didn't care well, about violence. Wasn't Jaws like PG-13? Jaws or, was PG. Or PG, I mean. That was before the rating system, though. So anything before the rating system just gets to be PG for mm-hmm. some reason. So anything maybe in The Godfather's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> probably PG. Uh, that'd be funny if Scarface was. <laughs> but we got to a point now where it's like sex... And I don't want... To, we did an episode about like the banned books and like the quote-unquote grooming... But if you look at, like, European countries and stuff, sex education towards children was always the norm, so kids didn't grow up with this weird view of sex. And I think the U.S. is just trying to play catch-up with that, and what we get is, like, a lot of pushback, and then maybe people going over too, like, overstepping because they don't know where the line is, and they're teaching kids things that they, for their age group, probably shouldn't be learning. But then at the same time, with the porn being at your fingertips, like these kids are probably seeing it all anyway. I know I was when I was oh, young, yeah. and I was like five when I first seen a Playboy. <laughs> like, oh yeah, I've seen videos. Just you know, kids, kids behind the Find woods. A way. Yeah, I somebody mean... gets somebody has a creepy uncle somewhere that they get the shit from. You know, we digress too far. So anyway, morals aside, going back to the creative arts aspect, I always think of the '90s as the creative peak. It wasn't the creative peak as far as um, literature. But when we go into, like, think of cartoons was a great one. Cartoons and anime, 80s to 90s, I think, were at the top of their game because people were taking crazy risks, and it was paying off. You had, like, on Nickelodeon, even, like, the shows like Ren and Stimpy. You had your Beavis and Buttheads, which were satires on, you know, the society at the time. What was that show on MTV? Liquid Television that had all the crazy weird animes and shit? Uh, There was a Samurai Sushi or something like that, I think. But just, you know, all kinds of networks and stuff. They were just taking creative risks. So art-wise, uh, creativity was at an all-time high. Obviously, when you had, like, the 60s era, you had, uh, like, 50s, 60s, you had, like, the beat generation. You had the free love generation, the LSD drug generation. All blended together and created crazy arts. And that was when I think music was probably at all-time high, 60s and early 70s. 80s had good music, too. Just, like, the 80s was, uh, I think that's when it started steering towards commercialism little more like you got people who were specifically switching from 
I want to create a great song to, I want to create a good song that Makes will have me, a, you know, bring in the audience. That would and make me some money. Make me a lot of money. And then the 90s, you had a little bit of blowback to that with like the grunge era and people were uh, kind of fighting the commercialism because when the hair bands of the 80s got too big, and then it was all sounding the same and everyone was like, okay, this is getting ridiculous. So you did have pushback. Uh, then you had uh, the natural flow of the grunge era becoming super popular. And then that started making a lot of money. And that started to become commercial. And then rap really came in strong uh, at the end of the 80s, early 90s. And then by the end of the 90s, you had a big influx of people who normally probably would have never wanted to be rappers if they were born a generation before. But since they grew up with it, they started wanting to become rappers. And then that got the 2000s. And, and I also feel like the 2000s is when, like, the R&B. But what I guess what the rap is now. Pop. You, it's almost like a R&B pop rap. Like, yeah. it all meshed together. So what you ended up getting was the rap got watered down. What we have today, a sound that most music sounds the same across the board. And electronics dance music got in there in the 2000s, too. And that's what like really blended everything together. And it's like, we don't need to have lyricism anymore. We don't need to have songs that are, uh, you know, storytelling songs. We don't need to have narratives in our music. What we need is something catchy that if somebody's high on drugs, and funny, if the drug epidemic we've had in this country over the last 20 something years has had a direct, like it's followed a direct path with the music and probably art and stuff too. But like, you've noticed the music rappers went from, no drugs in the 80s, like, hey, drugs are bad, get them out of our neighborhood, that's during the crack epidemic, uh, to the early 90s and mid-90s, where it was like, okay, well, we have to sell drugs to get by, to the 2000s, uh, especially the later end of the 2000s, where it's like, oh, no, now we're doing drugs to party, and then you got, after 2010, we just do drugs, and you should do drugs, and so that's kind of went with the music, so now the music goes, if you're on drugs, you'll enjoy this because you're zoned, you're fucked up. And it's also the, uh, it's messed up to say, but it's also like they stopped doing like the cool drugs. They went from doing like, you know, uppers to downers. Well, like from like, you know, drinking and like sniffing cocaine and crazy stuff like that to like fucking drink. S syrup or what yeah, is it? Scissor. Yeah, the fucking NyQuil and, and, and shit like that. It's shit like, that no, makes you have seizures and fall asleep. It's like, no wonder the music's shitty. At least, like, you know, if you were drunk or something, you might be able to get a good, like, you know, good beat going on. Well, I probably understand this better than you because I drink more than you. So there's times where I've been pretty drunk and many will just have, or maybe I just have it on, like, YouTube, like a playlist of just random, just random songs. And inevitably, the modern stuff starts coming on, and I just I can't understand the words because I probably couldn't understand them to begin with. Yeah. It's all mumble rap, but I'm fucked up, so I don't really understand. All I hear is like the beat and just kind of like this flow of words, and I'm just like, yeah, this shit's fucking fire, <laughs> and I get it. So if you were actually on drugs and you were fucked up, you'd be like, this is great. But if you are sober, it sucks. Like Stan Marsh could only. <laughs> Stan Marsh on South Park could only tolerate the world at one point because everything turned to shit. He could only tolerate it when he was drunk. I was I meant at the beginning of this episode where you were taught getting into the beginning of your rant rant to be like, You're looking a little bit like Stan over here. <laughs> Just like <laughs> everything is shit. It is shit in the Shit before me, shit, shit after me, shit. I don't want to be that guy, but everything is kind of shit. And what brought this whole rant about was 
Alan Moore of all people. Oh. I was watching his maestro class and he was he's still not done with that. I've been taking my time with it. Um my phone, whatever the thing, it signed me out and I couldn't sign in for like a week. Mm-hmm. I, I mean I could have figured it out. I just like it wasn't didn't working. I just it. didn't feel like it. I figure I'll wait till the new year, but I'm almost done with those classes. But he started talking about like future media and different things that are pretty interesting and like how, you know, maybe writing would be in the virtual world and like he he went pretty deep into like transcendence and meditation and how like virtual reality, all this crazy shit. But what he got me thinking about was how like you can't do the same stuff. And this was more directed to your personal writing. Like he's talking about uh, how Watchmen, I think he used colors in a certain way. And then he did it in uh, The Killing Joke. Mm. And then he was like, I didn't wish I didn't. I didn't want to do that again. I just kind of fell into it. It was a device that worked for me. And then he doesn't like The Killing Joke. He just wrote that off as garbage. Because, you know, he's one of those guys. But he wrote that off as garbage just because he used that same device. And he's like, you should always create new devices. You should always progress. You should always try something different. And I was thinking, because you think of James Patterson, right? Same fucking books mm. over and over and over again. He said, even if you have a winning formula, it doesn't mean you should. And he specifically said, this is if you're wanting to create art. Yeah. If you're tr- trying to make money, then if you have a winning formula, you'd want to stick with it. But if you have a winning formula, but you're trying to create art, it's going to be very stagnant and you're not going to progress in life or in your art if you just put out the same shit over and over again. So he was talking about like the progression of art and stuff and trying new things and always, uh, you know, not necessarily experimenting, but just doing things that are different that you've, you haven't tried before because that pushes you to be more creative because now you have to write something in a different way than you've written before. Uh, but what we have now is a society where you don't seem to get that. And I was trying to think like any author I could think of pretty much just writes, uh, you know, even if you look at Stephen King now, he doesn't really experiment too much. Maybe he still goes out like he did that fairy tale book, right? Yeah. Uh, so he's going like his genres are different, which is good. You look at a Neil Gaiman, he does different genres and stuff, so he has to write in a different way. But then you look at some of the commercial writers, and I can't name any of them. I was looking at a list, and I didn't know who they were, but I was looking at their but work. You got like people who like they write thrill, they write write thrillers. Yeah, and that's all they write. Or... But you know, they're all written probably in the same way for the most part. Yeah, maybe they change up the uh, you know that one's past tense, this one's present tense. That one's first person, this is third person. But the actual writing style is exactly the same. But uh, like, is that bad though? If they if the stories themselves are still good, and selling wise, and you know what I mean. Well, again, as that like, goes into as long as you as long as you yourself aren't just like phoning it in. Like you're still like, yes, I know I do these kind of stories, but like I can always come up with like a new. You know what I mean? Well, here's a good example of how you can fall into a kind of trap. When I was reading uh, one of those Hemingway short story collections. Individually, the stories are pretty good, but when you read the whole thing back to back, I forgot most of those stories because it all blended together because he uses the same writing device pretty much mm. for every story, you know? Because Hemingway is a very uh, minimalist writer, and uh, if you look at like a Cormac McCarthy, every one of his books is different. Uh, sometimes he's a maximalist like Blood Meridian, which you did not care for, but then if you look at The Road, he's a minimalist, and you'd probably really like yeah. The Road. Uh, he experiments with like the allegories and the 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 metaphor usage and things like that. Uh, but that's because his inspirations were like James Joyce, uh, Melville, like writers who are very creative and in their work, uh, in the case of Melville's Moby Dick and uh, Ulysses by James Joyce, every chapter is written in a different style in a different way. You don't have to go that extreme. But, you know, if I'm writing my book now, I don't want my second book to be written the same way, you know? Uh, if you look at Haruki Murakami, people like to rag on him because his themes 
are always very, you know, even his characters, he always has the no-name guy, loves jazz and cats, and mm. kind of has free time. There's a lot of labyrinths and wells and baseball. But those are the themes and the imagery that he has in there. But if you actually look at his work, the writing style from every book is usually different, even if it's the same translator. So he knows not necessarily the translator. So, like, when you read 1Q84, uh, we'll, we're going to read Dance Dance first, so... I would be really interested to see what you think when you read his first novel and the yeah. sec- first and second novel we're going to read. And, and, then when you and get- those are going to be the uh, the first things that I've read that's been longer than a short story. Yeah, so I'm interested. I hope they're good. Uh, <laughs> then, right. uh, but then I would be interested on your opinion, which I could get mine too because I read 1Q84. But when you go to one of his more modern books, 1Q84, uh, and you can see like, oh, yeah, these are very different how he, how uh, stylistically like uh, Kafka on the Shore is very different than the Wind Up Bird Chronicle, yet there's a lot of imagery and yeah. stuff that overlaps. But the way it's written, and then when you like, you know, really break it down or watch video essays on it and stuff, it's like, holy shit, this is very detailed. Uh, he, he's gone into like this crazy detail that at surface level you completely miss because you're just enjoying the story. Like you don't really think too much deeper into it. But that's because he dives into the world of magical realism, which is rife with experimentation do you ever do this in your own work so if you're working on one short story and then you start a second one does the second one do you really think about the writing style do you focus on like hey is this gonna be like if people read this back to back would they be able to tell anything different besides the story not knowing that i've done like Mm -hmm. you know what i mean if i didn't it has it would be subconscious but no normally because like you know normally it's like all right i finished this story What's the next story? Like, what's it supposed to be? Like, is more what I think about other than before. Like, then, you know, I kind of try to, like, well, like, layer themes or for whatever I want to maybe try to say anything if I want to say anything. It's tricky to keep your author's voice but changing your style. And when you're changing your style, it's not your specific writing style you're changing. It's the way you're telling the story. So if you look at Kurt Vonnegut, for instance... We both read Slaughterhouse-Five, and then we went back and read his earlier work, uh, The Sirens of Titan. Both very clearly Vonnegut work. Yeah. Funny, satire, like this, you know, dark humor, but completely different books. Like, not even in the same ballpark of books, really. It's, it's more kind of like how you tell your story. Yeah, that's where your other, experimentation comes other in. Other than, like, necessarily, like, I don't know. It's, it's one of those weird things to try to explain especially with if it's just somebody who you might not like i'd imagine most people who listen to this are probably one of you know writers or you know yeah. wannabe writers but like it's just it's one of those hard things to like verbalize well if you're just a general reader and you you don't write you have no interest in writing you probably are not cognizant of the changes in like you have a favorite author their work from book to book to book story to story to story so even if you read someone like Stephen King so you're a more commercial reader you just like reading for fun you don't need fine literature you read Stephen King's book you read Carrie and then you move on maybe you read Pet Cemetery or The Shining or It or whatever it is but what you don't realize like you're like okay this all has Stephen King's voice all written kind of in the same style if you picked it up you'd know it was a Stephen King but what you're not seeing if you're the general reader and it's really not for you to be, you know, you'd have to look deeper into the book and probably study it to really pick the things out like a writer would. But the writing techniques and the different um, 
like the, the the styles he utilizes and the devices, the writing devices he utilizes, you probably don't notice them, but that is what's really important in changing up your work. So it's not the same. So Carrie, for instance, you know, you have the story of this girl, but there's like newspaper articles in it. Like the way he wrote it, he, you know, had different aspects of um, like information, like the way he relayed information. So you had newspapers and like someone's telling you this, someone's telling you that. And then versus The Shining, that's more of just a narrative where there's a, you know, omnipresent uh, author voice telling you what's going, you know, explaining to you what's well, going what, on. And what was really unique about The Shining is that you get to see multiple things that happen during the story from the main character's point of view. Yeah. And not always at like the same time, you know. Um, it, it took me a minute whenever I first started reading that book to get used used to that, but then I was like, "Oh wait, I don't know, I, I, I I like this." this yeah, it's interesting. it's interesting. But the, like I said, those are things general readers probably don't really notice. They might go, "Oh, that's kind of cool how this is written." Uh, if you look at what's a recent book we did, um, "Chasing the Boogeyman," for instance, mm-hmm. uh, that's written as you know it's supposed to be a true crime, quote unquote, fiction, and the way that's written is a guy, uh, which is supposed to be Richard Chismar. He lived it, and he's telling you about it, and then he's including, you know, pictures and stuff. He's including fake information. But if you read his other work, uh, which you have, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like Was it the Gwendolyn? Yeah, the uh, Gwendolyn series that he co-wrote with Mr. King. I guarantee you, having not read those, nothing like that. No, uh, not really, just, um, just in that, like, you could still... Kind of his tell. voice, but yeah, his not, voice, but the way that writing, he, yeah, uh, the, the writing was completely different, like completely separate writing devices, different writing devices. Okay, so we're in that layer of muck. Can we go deeper into this? So, gotta get them waiters on, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna have to throw this one to you because I want your opinion on this. Because you said you, you know, slightly agree with my initial statement of things are just kind of uh mediocre across the board. Uh, what is general fiction uh, and storytelling and we'll include music in this as well uh, is just like not horrible necessarily yeah but not art yeah but again how many people like when you can when somebody's consuming something are they consuming it for entertainment value or are they consuming it to consume art because like I kind of feel like if you want to see art you can go to a museum True. and things and stuff like that. But if I want to see a guy run really fast and solve all the world's problems, I fucking turn on the CW and, and watch The Flash. But here's my issue with that stuff and why I've really fallen off like the superhero wagon is because the story, and you look at Marvel's a great example. Uh, we won't even get into DC, how they're just botching everything. Uh. But just look at Marvel for an example, especially after Endgame. For the most part, they're just telling the same story over and over. Yeah. The same hero's journey, the same devices, the same romantic plot lines. Uh, People always complain Marvel is just like the same formula over and over. But it's kind of true. There's outliers. If you look at... I haven't seen the Eternals, but wasn't that more like a horror or... Uh, No, um... That wasn't horror. Uh, Doctor Strange. Well, Doctor Strange, Strange yeah, had more of a horror like. But what it. what kind of sank that movie from being a really you know top tier Marvel movie was it still had the same plot, mm. like it had the same essence as every other one, uh, um, recent Marvel movies. And 
I mean, we could go into, t- like, as well. as like, a lot of times it feels like there's really no stakes. Like, after Endgame, it kind of feels like, does this really matter? I don't know. Maybe that's just me. But just going, so, we, you know, I just said across the board. But if you look back at, like, what was popular, like, the popular movies, usually the popular movies kind of suck. Yeah. Like, not suck as in they're bad movies by any means. It's just, like, they're commercial movies. But how, then how many times have you seen, like, Something that's been up for an Oscar, and you're just never like, heard of it. Never heard of it, or even if you did see, you're like, "Oh, this this yeah, garbage sucks." This garbage just because. <laughs> well, here's how it's gone. So in the last since the blockbuster era started, that's when we started getting these summer blockbusters, and then everything became a spectacle. Before that, you would have movies that were popular that'd be like Taxi Driver, um, even like Casino was in the '90s. Uh, you know, The Godfather. Uh, Jaws, like you had unique original movies, even the Indiana Jones movies, the original Star Wars movies. Like these are big movies, but they were unique and original at the time. Well, again, also a big component to that is the rise of technology because like now Avatar 2 just came out where like there's no hardly any actual people in that thing. Dancing with wolves too. Yeah. You know what I mean? So Boogaloo. Like, and you could maybe, if you're a fan of that stuff, you could point to, oh, but look at the order. But, like, you know, you could never do a movie like that back in, like, the 80s and 90s or even early 2000s. You had to have, like, the weird guy who, you know, who had a screw loose going on some kind of random adventure or whatever. But here's the thing, and I'm going to pick up my favorite movies of recent years and why I feel technology does not have to ruin the movies. It could vastly improve oh, it, them. it can, yes. But you, as DC is often to do, uh, you know, I well, didn't see like Black you, Adam, but isn't it just like, oh, it's so CGI heavy and it all just is like, yeah. Well, just because, like, I was just, I, I just brought that up because as you were talking about, like, the rise of the blockbuster, that as time progresses, what propped up the blockbuster? Because, you know, before, like, blockbuster was like, Whatever the new Lethal Weapon movie yeah. is, it was, you know, that was a blockbuster, but... Well, before I get on my next point, that I was going to talk about my favorite movies, I wanted to go back just a little bit, and where my problem, or what I've noticed where the problems seemed to happen is you had the big blockbusters, and then you had, like, the Oscar movies were great movies, like, you know, Saving Private Ryan, Forrest Gump, like, the ones nominated in one, whatever, Pulp Fiction, I'm just thinking of the 90s, but... You know, going all the way, even 70s, okay, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Like, you had great fucking movies, mm-hmm. and that was what was winning the Oscars. And you said, now, it's like, I never heard of that, or if I did, it sucks. Like, why was that, like, so popular? It was just fucking gay cowboys eating pudding yeah, for yeah. three hours. <laughs> like, why is that winning Oscars? Uh, which is a lot of that, you know, that's a lot of inside influence of who's paying off who and all that shit. But if you notice, once the blockbusters started rising, and then especially when the comic book movies took off, all of a sudden you had all this extravagance and people were going to see all these movies and then the indie movies and like the fine cinema started tanking because mm-hmm. people weren't watching those anymore. They were all, also movie prices were a big por- portion of this and then once the pandemic well, hit, everything and, and even like uh, the, the the cheap comedy movie, like like the Adam Sandler movies, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? That like that is like one of the, the bad things of like the, the comic book movies is that, like it kind of wiped out all those kind of stuff. Well, yeah. At some point, what ended up happening was the comic books, and I'm just using those, the comic book movies, as an example, but just like what we considered low-tier art at one point became so popular that what was considered fine art kept dropping down and becoming less popular to the point now where they switch places. 
So we're used to have like the goofy uh, exploitation films and just, you know, a lot of awful D-list horror movies from 70s, 80s, and 90s. Like movies that would have never caught on before. Now you got like your Sharknados and stuff mm. that are getting real popular. But then whatever's winning fucking awards, like hardly anyone's seen. It's like they switch places where it used to be the shit movie was the one nobody saw. Now it's like the really good, well-made movie no one sees. Uh, but so using some of my examples from my favorite movies of recent year where, and I'm using a couple here too, where it's like the technology really made them amazing. Blade Runner 2049, Interstellar. Those would be the two, like the technology really, really made those movies pop. And I just mm. thought they were uh, very creative, original. I'm going to throw Dune in there. A lot of people thought Dune was really boring, but if you know you read Dune, the book, right? it's Dune. Yeah, uh, I really like that, like the cinematography, like the art, t- art style. And then some of these have succeeded on both a commercial level and a uh, praiseworthy level. So whereas Blade Runner did not do well, you know, in the movie, uh, in the theater run, uh, but it'll probably be like the original Blade Runner, become a cult classic later. Mm-hmm. Interstellar did all right. I'm sure it won awards and stuff, but I don't know too many people who actually personally have seen it, but it's like an awesome movie. But Use Joker was the one that was like, okay, this yeah. is like an art piece movie. That made it. Like, people wanted to see it, but that's because you had to blend a comic yeah. book. And uh, I will even use the last Batman movie with Robert Pattinson as an example, too, because... That movie was a lot different than any Batman movie. It wasn't just punches in the face. There's punches uh, in the face, face. Yeah, oh, but that, not uh, the same kind. Yeah, there was of, a lot of punches yeah, in the but face. But it's not, it wasn't made this, it was more of uh, a slower burn Batman movie, more of a detective yeah, Batman. It was a detective, yeah. It was, it was, it was it, a unique take on Batman that we haven't seen in the movie. It's like the first time we've got to see him be a detective in the movie. And I want a Sherlock Holmes Batman, goddammit, yeah. with punching in the face. So people are take well. I will give DC. It's weird. It's like they make these shit fucking movies, and then they also make some great movies that have unrelated to the shit. Just to go on a quick side thing, since we're shitting on DC movies at the moment, did you? Because you know they they've canned everybody. They shit canning everybody. Getting no new people. How do you make a billion dollars? But you have the Rock fight Superman's Henry Cavill. But I kept on seeing things the past two days. Now just like on my news feed, I haven't actually clicked the thing to check out, but. I guess there's talks that they might fucking keep. They cut everybody else, but they might keep fucking that the fucking Miller kid as the Flash. First, I thought you were going to say Amber Heard, and I was like, oh, God. Ezra Miller, the most problematic one out of all of them. Yeah. Right. Might still be going on as the Flash. Like, what They'll probably the- do that just so they could do the like the Flashpoint and just oh. change. So, oh, we have all, a whole new universe, but we don't actually have to reboot it because... Oh, soft reboot because yeah. it's still in the same universe. It just got shifted to the multiverse or yeah. whatever the you know the flashpoint shit. It's like, God damn it! Yeah, I'm not gonna get into that. That's that'll anger me. But but, but I mean, the, the good thing about that is it's supposed to make uh, Jason Momoa uh, logo. Lobo, now. Yeah, so that'd be a good one. I hope Henry Cavill and The Rock both sign on to a Marvel movie and fight each other oh, in that. I don't care who yeah. they are. One could be the Juggernaut. One could be Rhino. That'd be fine. Right. It doesn't fucking <laughs> matter really. I, I don't. I don't care. They'd be fucking great, though. I hope it's a character that has a mustache. I hope they both have a mustache. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of where we are with the situation of modern media. But I just want to clarify, because, like, the reason that I say, like, I only went, like, would slightly agree is because, like, I do agree with, like, the, a lot of the points that, um that you know, you've made throughout the episode, but there is still a lot of stuff, like, you know, almost everything I've read last, uh, last year, I, like, enjoyed. Or like, and now that's all me going like, ah, uh, I know the stuff that I like to read, so I'm gonna read read that stuff. 
but you know it's still within you know the 90s that like the latest you know of the stuff that i've been reading recently but can i point out something to you though you have been making a shift towards a lot of anime and mangas yeah so if the comics and the movies were so great and the shows were so great then why do you feel the need how do you have the time to go into the animes and manga? Because you know in your heart of hearts I'm that they're both, better. Though. I'm reading both. They're though. more unique for now. For now, to get into One Piece, and you're like, you know what? I'm gonna have to put these comics to the side. They're. I feel like a lot of the comics you're reading. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like a lot of the comics you're reading are like the movies, where it's just, yeah, it's okay. Yeah, I enjoyed that, but then you don't really take anything away from it yeah, in the oh, no. long run. We, we like uh, we've been talking about this on the up at uh, Pittsburgh Comics recently. Like one of the books we're having issues with now is like the the Rena Detective for the past few issues, but we're like it hasn't been really good. But like I got like the last three hundred issues of Detective Comics, so like I'm not gonna stop for a couple issues and then just start again. Like when a new creative team comes on, so you I'm, just I'm, suck I'm, it up and yeah, read and, crap and, and what. And just, just hope that it's better, you know? Uh, you shouldn't that, have to do that, though. Hope the next issue's better. Like I said with the mediocrity, you shouldn't have to do that. You shouldn't have to choose to hold on to something just because you might get it might get better. You shouldn't have to be like, oh, this sucks now, but it might pick back yeah. up. No, it should just be good all across the board. It should. And, or at least different. That's my problem. Like, I can read bad comic series, and it could, I'd be like, this is kind of shitty, but if it's unique... If it's creative, if it's different from anything I've ever read before, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to probably still read this through. I think of uh, there was a series I was getting for a while, I guess an anthology. Uh, I don't know if you ever read them, The, the Island, or maybe just Island. Um, it's been a few years since I read those. But it might, I think it was Image Comics. They were putting out Island. I think that was just straight just Island. And it was a series of individual like short comics and art pieces that creators were putting together and in like an anthology form. And a lot of them were not good. Uh, if you think about just any anthology, you pick up like a sci-fi anthology, a lot of stories probably aren't going to be good. Yeah, There's obviously some gems in each issue that are pretty decent. But as a whole, every story was different. Uh, the art style, vastly different for every story. The story itself, for the most part, unique and interesting in its own right. So it's more of the... Uh, a manner of taste. It's like, oh, I don't really care for, you know, this comic about furries and them attacking the world, but it is different. <laughs> like, I, so I dig stories that are different. I like creators who take a try. I like when they do something different. Like, you think of the movie The Lighthouse. That's a fucking weird movie. <laughs> I know I bring that up all the time, but it's a weird movie. And um, I just like that the director always makes fucking weird movies. I watched The Northman. I was like, this is bizarre. It's great, great chopping heads and stuff. It's weird. It's like every movie this guy makes is weird. I might not necessarily like all of them, but I don't care. They're different. I'll watch them. Uh, and I think that's all you can ask for is something that somebody at least put their heart into. I think that's the problem. Modern media, for the most part, doesn't seem to have heart. Corporation. Big corporations, that's when you got Disney taking over, Warner Brothers taking over, everyone. These big corporations just see dollar signs. That really stifles the creative control uh, that the artists have, even if it's their own work, which is really shitty. It's like when you have an artist or a writer or both, uh, say, working on a comic character that they created, but once that character gets bought out by Marvel or DC, now they're at the whims of Marvel and DC. Mm -hmm. So if you want to do a 
a fucking personal story that touches on domestic violence or, you know, pedophilia or rape or something that was race relations, something that's very, you know, one of those danger topics. And they say, no, you can't write about that. You can't create, the, you know, you'd have to release that on your own, but it can't be that character because we bought that character. Mm. So now you, for instance, if you created Batman, you can't have Batman dealing with that stuff, which Alan Moore says, do not get into the comic book industry at all. It is a cesspool and they will bleed you dry and take all your ideas and stick them in the dirt. Uh, and I believe him. He has experience. Modern entertainment, modern media does not have heart. It is owned by big corporations. People aren't, and again, generalities. There's obviously outliers for everything. We've seen them. We've read them. We've watched them. But as a whole, things do kind of seem crappy. Not sloppy diarrhea all over the toilet, just a solid turd in the toilet right now. It can flush, and you don't have to do any cleanup. Uh, but where we're headed is the diarrhea all over the floor and wall, and pretty soon everyone's going to have to like clean that up, or we'll just get more shit. Uh, so we need somebody, Spencer. It could be you. Go out there, create something amazing, uh, and immediately sell out, and and then sell out, and then not, now you're fucking selling, you know, shit. Um, anything you want to add? No, I pretty much kind of covered the whole gambit of of things there. I think this was uh, this was supposed to be a DBS episode, but it might have to be a regular episode because this was the most on topic we've stayed for a rant episode. <laughs> yeah, I think that's pretty incredible. That's a starting off the new year in a new. Delicious. I'm going to say delicious. New oh, delicious way. That's creepy. What should we name this uh, episode? Uh, not delicious. <laughs> delicious. Uh, so anyway, folks, we thank you for listening this long. If you have, uh, you could review us on iTunes. Five stars, five stars, five stars. Uh, or on whatever podcast thing you use. That would be appreciated just so we get some more listeners uh, You know, with the algorithms and all. Like we said, technology and robots and all that shit. Uh, you can follow Spencer on OnlyFans. What are you, the Portugal pimper popper, pimple popper, mm-hmm. pimper popper? You're pip, you're popping pimps. <laughs> smack, fucking <laughs> smack a man. How's you like being smacked? You like being smacked? Ooh, gender equality, bitch. You go fucking sell your ass now. But my hat's just even bigger though. <laughs> your hat's even bigger <laughs> than the pimp's hat, <laughs> and more crooked. Yeah. Uh, if you want to see my work and keep an update on my publication history, which is now finally building. You go to calebjamesk.com, and you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter at DPW Podcast. Uh, also on Podbean, because that's where that's our wonderful host, and I never really shout that out, even though now I share the post-its from Podbean, so maybe I should do that. <sighs> so anyway, folks, I want to finish my beer. Spencer's going to finish his cocaine? Cocaine. Methamphetamines? Crystal meth. What's the crocodile? Is that the stuff that makes your skin melt off? I don't know. Jankum. That's stuff that's uh, bottled poop that you just Ugh. huff. You seem like the poop huffing kind of guy. Do you like it straight from the tap? Or do you, <laughs> like, no, you know what? You know what? We've gone too far. Uh, thank you for listening. We'll check you next time.